Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at btosports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. BTOsports.com, the place to go for anything you need for your bike or body. The nation's leading retailer. Anything you got uh, for your bike and, and gear, anything, tires, they got killer tire prices. Uh, use the code PULPMX and save yourself money. Seriously, go to BTOsports.com and just you can buy almost anything on there. So thanks to those guys for supporting this. And, of course, Fox Racing, the official gear, Ryan Dungey, Brock Tickle, Kenny Roxon, many more. Um, Chad Reed wears Shift. And, um, of course, the Fox Airspace Goggle, Instinct Boot, Foxhead.com. We thank Fox Racing for coming on. And we also thank BTO Sports Duck coming on. And as usual, I'm your host, Steve Mathis. With me on the line, Racer X's own, um, editor at large, David Pingree. Hi. Four time 125 Supercross champion, runner up in the 2000 125 West Coast Series, former factory rider. He's got it all. Did you just say four time 125 Supercross champ? Winner. Okay. Yeah, I don't think All I right. said four-time one time Supercross champ, but that would be awesome, well, too. Big difference. Yeah, <laughs> really big difference, right? <laughs> um, uh, how's it going, Ping? What's happening? Good, man. Just uh, ready to answer some questions. Yeah. Yeah, This the, we, we put out a tweet um, at David Pingree, and you said, uh, send me your best questions, and, uh, and uh, I'll answer them on a podcast. And so that's what we're doing. Although... Did you see that bastard Wygant did the same thing with Will Hahn? Yeah, I did. Biting our style. What a pig. I know, right? Uh, at least that's that's for people who can read. This is for people who can't read. They just want to listen. Um, breaking news today as we do this, and we haven't fully got the full story yet, and this is by the time you hear this, you will have heard what's up. So we're a little off base, but we're just off the hip here. Martin Davalos looks like he's hurt himself. We don't know the extent of it, but it's serious enough, serious enough that he had three guys uh, help him out, and they went straight to the doctor today at Milestone. If he's hurt, Ping, well, if he's hurt, and it's certainly right now as we do this, it looks like it could be serious. Wow. I think the bottom line is that is we, what we can come out of this is just God hates Ecuador. That's it. That's the only thing we can say. I think uh, I think that's it. I don't think there's any other uh, no. way to you know, get to the bottom of it. Um, yeah, you know, what What we've heard is either broken lower leg, broken ankle, dislocated ankle, something like that. Um, what a nightmare. You know, poor guy. Yeah. You, you've, yeah. you've been a little critical of Martin over the years, but... Um, yeah, yeah. No, no. no I, I, don't, I don't know him that well, but everybody we talk to who does just says, man, he's such a good guy. I mean, 
Cincerello even said when he was, you know, in second behind him, he was like, yeah, Martin's going to win. Like, he was pumped for him. I mean, well, who, who does that? Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, seems like he's a great guy. And to see him finally pulling it together and going to yeah. win this title and then to have this happen, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, real, real bummer. And, uh, well, we'll hopefully everything's okay. And I have been critical of the guy, but it's nothing that I want to see him get hurt. And it's certainly, he, by, all, yeah. by all accounts, he's a great guy. I just, could, I, my main criticism of Martin Davalos is like not being able to win, but you know what? He's got two wins this year and an eight point lead going into uh, the last two rounds. So, um, yeah, let's, let's hope and see what happens and we'll, uh, go from there. All right. You ready to take some questions? Let's do it. Let's field them. Okay. All right. Um, speaking of Davalos, of course, my phone is blowing up with people who are calling me about Martin Davalos. Um, okay. Here we go. Great uh, radio, bro. First question. First question uh, from um, Mim, 94 Mim, Australian guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so pumped that David Pingree agrees that Brett Metcalf is the guy to beat in Canada. Because 2010 to 2011, Metcalf beats Alessi outdoors easily. So, all right, so the big news, Mike Alessi going to Canada. Uh, first thoughts on that, Ping. What do you think of that as, as a whole? I think it's weird. Um, I think I think that team and that you know group of guys are kind of cutting off their nose to spite their face. You know, they're, they're going there because they don't feel like they're getting the love they need here in the U.S., but... How is going to Canada going to help their brand or their team or yeah. his business? You know, I'm with you. It, it is I'm colder. Maybe he'll sell more hot tub covers. I I don't know, but mm-hmm. I'm with you. It, it seems uh, like a, I'm scratching my head on the whole move. Mike Genova said, you know, when when unless he got second a couple years ago in the outdoors, uh, Wanamoto Washugo, they got no significant uptick in sponsorship or help because of that. So they're going to go to Canada. Well. If you thought you didn't get any help getting second outdoors, wait till you get absolutely nothing for either winning Canada or whatever. I, I um, just for an example, of course, Pulpamex, much much smaller site than Racer X, and really not that not that uh, big of a website. But here's an example: uh, I paid uh, James Lissamore, a photographer in Canada, to do weekly photo reports from the Canadian Nationals like two years ago, and I said, "Hey, make it American heavy." Uh, Teddy Mayer, Bobby Canari, um, et cetera, et cetera, uh, the Americans that were racing, Morgan Berger, these guys. I said, make it American heavy because that's what the audience you know, wants to read about. And he's like, okay. So we did it. We did like a photo report, and he always put the lead photo in American Rider and, and talked about you know what happened. And, and this just in. Nobody cared. Nobody read it. The, click, <laughs> the clicks were I, – I, I had to tell this more. I'm like – Look, and again, of course, it's it's Pulp MX. It's nothing, but I'm saying on a if you compared it to a regular Pulp MX article, that's all. You know, say and your your fan base would be Canada heavy too. Well, I mean, you would you think, would have, right? Uh, yeah, if anyone's going to be interested in that, it would be people going on the Pulp MX site. So, well, you would think, and look, and I realize that that's super unscientific, but if you compared an article on Pulp MX from about whatever Washugal you know, Washougal National, and then you looked at these Canadian photo reports, which were based on American riders, you know, to try to get American people to care. It, it was pathetic. Nobody cares. Mm. And nobody beats the Canadian moto drum like me. All right. So knowing that, 
You think that Metcalf can beat Alessi, though? I do. Um, I think he knows the tracks. He's going to be familiar with, you know, the places they're racing, his bike. He's ready to go. And um, for Alessi, it's all new. Um, and I think straight up anyway, down here on tracks, they both know. I still, I'd still probably pick Metcalf to beat him more often See, than not. I don't. So, I don't. This is your podcast, so you're – you're in charge well, here. That's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Stuff it up your end if you don't like it. <laughs> when does Brett, and I love Brett Metcalf, but when does Brett Metcalf beat Michael Lessie in the Nationals straight up? Like, when does that ever happen? The last time he raced here. Okay, he got fourth at Southwick, and which he goes hauls ass in the sand, and three Canadian tracks are sandy, so there is that to take into account. But... Generally speaking, Mike Alessi has beaten Brett Metcalf more times. Mm. When when Brett was racing here full time for Geico, mm-hmm. yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think that. I don't. I think you're off. I have to go back and look at the results. But well, I'm I'm looking right now. I'm going to look right now as we speak. But I do think uh, having knowledge of the tracks and the way the day works and the way the you know the series works and all that I, that. You got to give that to Metcalf, obviously. That that's going to be a help. I mean, you as a racer. Um, you, yeah, you, you, you go up there, and you know you don't. It, it, it's really foreign because you don't know any of the riders. You don't know what to expect from them. Um, how are they going to race you? You know, you just, everything seems weird. And um, there's a little bit of a psychological advantage for Metcalf there, I think. And I don't know. I just think I think Matty is every bit as fast. Um, I think that's going to pay off for him. 2011, Metcalf on the Geico Honda. He beat Alessi. He got fourth in the series. Mike got fifth. Mike was on the KTM 350, though. Oh, gosh. All right. <laughs> but so we haven't really seen them go head-to-head. And, of course, last year, I think Metcalf beat him in both races that, that Metcalf raced. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the one year that Metcalf crashed out. So, factory I'm kind of shooting some, uh, some holes in your boat then with the results. Uh, the year that Metcalf, well, definitely the year that Metcalf hurt himself on the factory Suzuki, it was three or four rounds in. He was fourth in the series. I think Mike was second in the series. But, of course, Ooh. it was still only four rounds until Metcalf got hurt. So, basically, uh, yeah, they don't have a huge history with each other. So, should be interesting, though. Yeah, it will. Um, all right, next, uh, next question. A lot of questions about the Rent a Supercross star program that you are sort of on the, for this weekend in New York. Um, will yeah. you, Brian Wilcox says, uh, will your alcohol intake equal that of Debo, Denny Stevenson? No. I'm going to no. go ahead and just say no. <laughs> I'm going a different route. Um, there were multiple offers. I went with people who I knew who offered to uh, bring me out there. Mm-hmm. So a little bit uh, less edgy introduction to the whole program for me than what Danny decided to do. Although he knew those people as well. No, he did not. Wasn't... No, he did not. Okay, well, you did. People do. Yes, Those are yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, right. underground people's hero. Yep. For some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, they had never met until, yeah, like they, Danny did not know what Moser or any of his friends looked like until he, you know. So, anyway, I know yeah. the people bringing me to New York. It's going to be fun. Uh, but definitely a fraction of the alcohol mm-hmm. uh, 
friction dances and possible drug use. I don't want to get anyone <laughs> implicated here, but I, who knows what happened up there. One thing for sure, I don't know I don't know if you saw any photos, but Chicken was in the house, and Gil, Cody Gilmore was there, and there was so much plaid, I thought it was, I was at a Pearl Jam concert. <laughs> Those guys are still rocking the plaid. I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was in. I liked uh, the plaid, yeah. but I didn't know it was still good. Danny, Danny had a great quote about uh, that I think is going in the magazine, but something about you know how they used to go to the mall and buy Doc Martens yeah. and flannel. And I laughed because <laughs> back then when the Nationals were on Sunday, we came in and practiced on Fridays. So Saturday, you, you sat around just, it was such a long weekend. Yeah. You know, you yeah. sat around doing nothing. Sometimes we'd play basketball or hang out. But a lot of times, if we were in a place that had a good mall, this sounds so gay, but all of us would get together and we'd go to the mall and just like cruise around, hang out. Um, that well, happened a lot in the 90s. So well, I, I started I, laughing because right. <laughs> that, that isn't just a joke. That's actually what happened. No, and as a mechanic, you would, you would practice Friday then work on your bike for Saturday morning, roll it through tech. And even when you were done, the mechanics would just hang out in the hotel parking lot. Like, that's where we yeah. went. We went in the hotel parking lot. You guys golfed, went to the mall, or played basketball. Yeah. So. Or jumped rental cars. <laughs> right, right. Uh, okay, next question from Jared Savoy. Uh, does TLD Honda bring on a full-time 450 guy? This guy loves – He loves Cole, Cole Sealy. Sealy does. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh, yeah. he sure does. Yes, he does. Um, the answer is no. I don't think um, Troy's really happy with with kind of the setup that they have, and you know it's evolving over there and changing or whatever. But he was always real big on on um, making sure it's fun. The guys aren't getting completely burned out, and I think adding that extra leg of going to all those east rounds, it's it's a whole nother level. You know, you don't get that big break right there and to split the season up. Um, a lot more money and you've got to really you know balance out how much more sales you're going to get versus you know from the exposure you're getting versus the money you're spending to go do that and i think for him you know media is real heavy on those opening six rounds and then it kind of you know mm-hmm. cruises through the middle and um i don't know i don't think it happens i think they stay with the program they've got for the time being and um I think Cole probably will line something up somewhere else, and I, you know, Troy will continue to groom his lights, guys. I have no proof or knowledge of this situation, but it's not going to stop me from throwing it out there. Uh, Go. I feel like Troy could be a guy who actually makes money off his race team. He doesn't have to go east. Um, he doesn't do that, and he's got from the outside looking in. He looks like he has some terrific sponsors. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a matter of Troy's like, why do I want to dip into my profit? Mm. What do you think? I would tell you they are not making money. Okay. I would almost assuredly tell you that. I've, okay. I've the guy yeah. who stared at the you uh, would know. You would income know. and outgo over there. Um, but man, they got some good sponsors. But maybe a lot of it maybe isn't money guys or whatever. Well, it's, it is. But, man, it's expensive. The, the, the money that goes out for just salaries and things alone is just staggering and it's it's really hard to come back from if you don't have the factories paying your salaries which they do not yeah so that's what eats up a lot of your budget there mm-hmm. and um but troy still comes out of pocket to help fund that team and and his whole goal is to just get to where they break even he's not even looking to make money i think any if they ever got to that point he would just pour that money back into the team to make it better 
he's just his goal is to try to get to where he's not spending money. But even if he is, it comes out of their marketing budget because that race team, you know, what better marketing tool? And if you've got a team that's got guys winning races, so. Okay. Um, next question from uh, Gavin Gibb or Gibb Gavin. Uh, I feel Steve Mathis is naturally athletic from what I hear. Where do you stand on my remark? <laughs> Say it again. I feel Steve Mathis is naturally athletic from what I hear. Where do you stand on my remark? Where do you stand on me being naturally ah. athletic? I don't know if you heard about our, my volleyball skills from Seattle. Um, you know what? I heard of it. I I just absolutely could not picture it. Mm, yeah. but, no, uh, no, I was a three-year volleyball player in uh, grades 7, 8, and 9, and uh, – Kevin Barnett, the Supercross Live guy, you know, two-time Olympic volleyball. Uh, yeah. He, he brought a volleyball to Seattle because I was bragging about my volleyball skills. And he brought one. And let me just say that after playing a little game of pepper in the parking lot, he walked away suitably impressed. All right. Yeah. Look at you. Mm-hmm. Well, then I think between that and the four Manitoba titles, yeah. this is a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks. Yeah. You're an Olympian. In, in the making. Right. Thank you. Um, yeah. All right. Next question from Spike. What are you and Steve's top three for outdoors 250 class? Of course, so much could happen between now and the end of 12 rounds and all that. Um, you know, we, we did this on the Pulp Show. I don't know. No, I don't think you were there. Did we give our top five for 450s? I don't know if you were there on the show or not, but. I mean, JT. Yeah, we did. Okay. And, and, I, and I forgot to even mention Chad Reed. Well, I, but that's what I'm saying. Feel like an ass, we, for, we totally forgot about Chad Reed. There's just so yeah. many guys, you know? So. Um, but, anyways, top three 250s. Ping, what do you got? Oh. Uh, that's a tough one. I, I think. Doesn't it I have think you're to just go? Totally guessing if you're trying to pick one, two, three. I would tell you guys who are going to be in the mix are going to be Baggett. Um, they're going to be Moosekin, I think. I agree. I think Moosekin, people forget about him. Yeah, he's going to be strong. I hope he is. I'd really love to see him stay healthy and have a good summer. Um, hmm. Jason Anderson. You're forgetting one, buddy. You're forgetting somebody. Or maybe you're not. Well. The 15? The 15? No, Dean Wilson. I, I'm, 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 Dean Wilson is definitely up in the mix. Okay. Uh, I'm curious to see what his arm pump issues do outdoors. Does he not struggle with it as much? Is it still going to hamper him? Um, I don't know. I, the, that, who do you got? I, I mean, I, I know I'm forgetting some people. Well, so. no, no, no. I, this guy wants my top Bogle, three. I, I, Bogle might be in there. You know, it, I don't know. This guy if wants Bogle my... ends up winning this East title. He might come in with a head of steam and a bunch of confidence. He could be a player. Um, I, the guy wants top three. That's what the guy asked for. I'm gonna, oh, he did. Oh, I'm, so I'm going above and beyond. Well, I'm well, just saying my top three. My, my, I'm going to go top three. I don't know how anybody could have anybody different than, in some order, Wilson, Baggett, Muscan. I, I like Zach Osborne, uh, but Wilson, Baggett, Muscan. I, I, obviously, injuries and all that. I don't see how you can go 
anybody else in the top three than those guys. You can talk about guys who could possibly challenge him, but if you're just talking about the three best outdoor riders, I, I don't – how could you go any more than those three guys? Well, I think that's a better question after about two or three rounds. You know, then you get a better picture of who's in the game because, you know, I think what what those guys did on that break on the West Coast, how much time they put in will will be a factor in how their season starts off anyway. And, you know, um, these guys who are forced to stay riding Supercross, like Sealy, like Anderson, like Bogle, you know, probably didn't get as much outdoor testing in. That's going to hurt him at the beginning of the season for sure. Or a guy like Dean Wilson, who probably, well, he rode the 450, though. He didn't get that break either. I don't know. Um, wh- where do you see, one thing that I'm struggling with a bit, Jeremy Martin, Cooper Webb. Who beats who? Who beats who? Who's the better outdoor rider? Obviously, Webb's Supercross season was better, but I feel like one of those kids could take a step up and, and get in the top five each and every week. Yeah, I just haven't seen a lot of consistency or, like, Webb's been pretty consistent, I guess, but I don't know. I don't feel like I have a good gauge on where they're at or, you know, mm-hmm. what their potential is because I think Webb's got more in the tank. Um, I think Martin hasn't showed us really anything that he's that he's capable of. So maybe outdoors that comes around, you know, he mm-hmm. can turn it around and, and be up there. Hard to say. Okay. Uh, I'll waffling like JT on that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying it. Uh, I'm not saying, but I'm saying. Uh, off course spags. Here's a here's a here's a good question. If a triple is 64 feet, why not make it 64 feet double and use the dirt elsewhere? Discuss. <laughs> yeah, I had a question like this on Ask Ping last week, but I think that's part of the illusion. Like, there's a third jump, and they're going all the way over it. They're not right. even touching it. Mm-hmm. So to the people in the fans or the fans in the stands who don't know the sport that well, maybe there's something cool to that. But it's not that much dirt to make a middle jump. And if a guy screws up and can't triple, it gives him something to land on rather than just mm-hmm. slapping down in the middle and right. hurting his wrist. Yeah, it's not like the dirt. I, I do agree they need more dirt. I've been harping on this over and over. But the dirt from the double is not going to make or break the track. No, you know, like no, no. no. I mean, it's it's a good amount of dirt, but it ain't gonna help out anything big. No. So, um, yeah, we used to run the uh, in Canada, very big, very popular in the mid '80s, mid to late '80s, early '90s too. The semi truck trailer tabletop oh, yeah. jump. We used to run that a lot. Maybe we can look into that. The first Supercross I ever went to at Sun Devil Stadium in Phoenix, uh, Wardy and RJ had a battle. And they had a trailer, trailer jump. I think that night they also ran, I, I might be wrong, but I think they had like a like a halftime buggy race or something where mm-hmm. they used part of the track and it was dusty and hard. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty crappy show back then, to be honest with you. Yeah. There's... Versus what it is now, like, you know. Oh, yeah. Now, there's certainly, uh, I've been critical of the Feld folks here and there, but one thing you can't knock is how much they brought everything up to a new level. Oh, yeah. You know, so they, they've done a good job with that. Um, Moser had a question about the KW resurrection, but you missed about Grant Langston. I'm not really sure what that was about, but. Oh, well, he was talking about uh, when we did the resurrections, you know, which riders have had the best 
was in honor of Easter Sunday. Which writers are the best? Career Resurrection. And, mm, yeah. Um, K-Dub was mentioned, Doug Henry, Mike Brown, um, some guys like that. But um, he said Grant Langston. And I said, eh, Grant had a pretty solid, stable career. You know, you, you look at the championships that guy won. It's crazy. I, I think he's a, one of the most underrated guys in our sport over here. Look at look at everything. He's won everything except the Supercross, 450 Supercross title. World Championships, lights on each coast in Supercross, outdoor, over the outdoor. I mean, that's it's impressive when you start looking at his resume. Supermoto, world champion. Mm-hmm. So he was bringing up the one year that Grant had on KTM 250 two-strokes that was a nightmare where he made like every highlight crash reel. But I don't know. Yeah. I think well, it takes more than one bad season on a bad bike to call it a resurrection. Although he did drop down to the TV, uh, lights class or whatever you want to call it again, and well, come back with Mitch. But that's how, that's, yeah, and that's how you feel about that. Like it, uh, you know, definitely. Um, had he not done that, I don't know where his career would have gone. That was a big step for him to get back. Yeah. You know what was odd though, and I was thinking about this the other day. Grant Langston outdoors for Mitch Payton. Like he, I don't remember. I know one year him and Alessi hit, and he hurt his ankle. What happened the other year? Well, he sh- I feel like he should have won an outdoor title for Mitch in the two. Well, class. didn't remember he got hurt one year in Vegas? Didn't he get hurt one year at the at oh, the uh, East yeah. West shootout? Press day, I think. I think on press day he did. I think that was his wrist, right? Yeah, maybe that was it. Okay. So I don't know. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a reason because that dude straight hauled the mail outdoors, right? Uh, Gonzo six seven six. Will Ping break in Steve's ninety KX two fifty, or will he refuse to ride it? We talked about this. I think I think we're gonna try well, to get you on it. He will. He will break it in, or at least follow up somebody else on it. You. Uh, what were you riding in nineteen ninety Suzuki's? I was riding a Suzuki eighty. Oh, you were still yeah. in eighties then. Okay. When did you move up? What ninety one? Uh, ninety two. Ninety two. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, that was when I had uh, those badass Suzukes with the uh, bright, yellow, bright orange and reddish, like tiger stripe scratch marks on the back fender. Remember those? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what Suzuki was thinking with that. I, I think the seat was like purple and yellow. Yeah. The only the only good thing uh, about that was in Canada, the fenders and side panels were yellow instead of white. It maybe didn't look the tiger stripes look as bad, you know. Uh, but anyways, um. All right, at uh, I don't know how to say, it, but Mike Mike McPoyle, if David Millsaps is good enough to race mountain bikes, why not some Supercross? I don't know what this guy's talking about. Obviously, he follows Millsaps, and Millsaps must be racing mountain bike. Yeah, uh, he went to the Sea Otter Classic okay. up in uh, Central California and did some racing and something. But I mean, come on, this is a no-brainer guy. He he hurt his knee. One of the best things, the first things you start doing when you're recovering from a knee injury is spinning on a bicycle. So he's obviously got a ton of road miles in, and he's good enough to get on the dirt now and pedal a mountain bike. So it's something for him to go do, you know, build some fitness and enjoy himself a little bit. So um, it made perfect sense to me. I'm stoked to see that his fitness is good enough for him to win whatever class he was in. And, uh, yeah, unless – yeah, I mean, come on. like So, all right, he's ready to race a mountain bike. So he's just ready to race the last two rounds of Supercross. Like, why bother? Like, well, there's, there's a huge difference between riding around on a little single-track cross-country trail on mm-hmm, a bicycle mm-hmm. 
and going to Sam Boyd Stadium and racing Supercross. Right. Huge. Right. Um, here's a here's a thing for you. So Millsaps, either his contract is up, or he wants to get out of that team, that Rockstar team. So he's in play for next year. Now he missed the entire Supercross season this year. He has gotten before that the last two years. I think he's got a second and a third in the series, maybe two seconds. Um, he's never made it through an outdoor season except for his second year at Suzuki on the 125 slash 250F. Uh, would you would you hire him just right now, or would you want to wait and see what he does outdoors if he makes it through an outdoor? That dude has been beat up. Yeah, he definitely has, and and I. I've heard, you know, the issues that he had with that leg. I'd be pretty skeptical. I'd, I'd want to see how he goes at least half of the rounds or something before I pull the trigger on that. Mm-hmm. You know he's got the ability and the speed and everything else, but there's young guys coming up. For me, I would probably rather take a chance on if I had to go, if I had to pick right now. Mm-hmm. Do I take a Cole Seeley or a Jason Anderson, or do I go with Davy Millsap? Right. Um. um yeah, part of but it depends on where that team is. If they need a guy, you know, to perform in 2015 form for sure. I don't know. It's still a gamble. For for sure, one of the things that people don't understand and people don't realize is some teams out there not not all the teams. And Ping, you were you were a team manager, so you know. Um, some teams really value staying on the track. I mean, that's how they get paid by their title sponsors. So. Yeah, there's 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 nothing worse than. You put all this work and effort and money into a rider, and then they get hurt, and just you know, it's it's like down the toilet. You're still paying this guy's money every month. Mm-hmm. The bikes are out there. It's it's bad for morale. It's bad for sponsors. It's just bad. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a it's a fine line to walk because you don't want a guy who's mid pack or whose results stink, but who's out there every weekend. You know, mm-hmm. you'd rather have a guy putting it on the box or getting a win and getting hurt but yeah if you're not doing one or the other you're not gonna have a ride for long i've had more than a few guys tell me over the years like how does nick way keep a ride this is when he was riding for teams now he's doing his own thing and people don't understand he makes and of course he missed all season last year with a back injury all the supercross season but people don't understand he was a consistent top 10 guy he made all the races almost always so yeah. you know especially when you consider um the, the injury rate that we have in the sport. So, And speaking of the injury rate, uh, Doug Derby, what can be changed in Supercross to reduce all the yard sale injuries? Riders already have a short shelf life. That's a tough one. I mean, you know, for, for me, I like – I'm always pushing those guys to slow the tracks down, make them tighter, make them more technical – you know, more 180-degree turns with the inside marker, corner marker opened up, so you get some of that arena cross action in the turn. That's going to slow stuff down. It's going to make guys have to cover their line, and you get some obstacles right out of the corner that can slow them down. I just feel like the tracks are so fast. Um, That speed is where guys really get hurt. So if you could keep the speeds down a little bit, Mm -hmm. you could prevent some of it. I mean, it's you're going to have guys getting hurt. That's just the yeah. way the sport's been forever. But More dirt. More dirt, I say. Slow the tracks down. Bigger obstacles. Yeah, I concur. Yeah. Not not bigger as it, like, gnarly or, like, but bigger dirt, you know, make them go up instead of 
farther down. Yeah, up at a lower speed, mm-hmm. maybe stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. What about bike size, Steve? Will, will we ever see bikes get smaller again? I think so there's, there's no question the 450 is too much motorcycle yeah. in a stadium. No, it's it's hurt racing. It's hurt Supercross series. There's no doubt the the four strokes have hurt Supercross series. But I, I think that, that barn door is open, man. I, I don't know how you're going to close it. Like, you can't tell these OEMs what to do and what to build. They almost all got to get together and do it themselves and figure it out. Like, maybe a 350 four-stroke is the big bike class and a, and a 150 is the, the small bike. I don't know, but I don't see it happening, man. Uh, I, no. The, the AMA screwed up. Yeah. going back. No, the AMA screwed up. They never, ever... They they should have looked at their rule book in, in the early two thousands, late nineties, and been like, wait, our rule is is you know first the first rule was five fifty, uh, four stroke. And they should have said, well, you know that's too much, and you know, and then when Yamaha came up with the four hundred, they should have went, oh shit, okay, a four hundred is max, you know, never mind a four fifty. Um, the you, you love Yamaha for doing it. They sold a shit ton of bikes and they exploited a rule in pro racing, and they benefited from it. Because there's no way that Doug Henry wins that title if he's not on a if he's on a two-stroke, like the rest of the class was, in my opinion. The bikes were better, superior, and once the AMA, once they didn't crack down on their rules and they opened that that door, and Yamaha was smart enough and good enough to take advantage of it. That's it, man. Yeah, that's what you're gonna do, you know. So, but yeah, a 354 stroke and a 154 stroke. Versus a two-stroke, now you have a legitimate choice, right? Don't you feel? Or, or like three fifty and two hundred, maybe. Yeah, one one fifty small, dude. I mean, okay. you wouldn't have anybody. <laughs> that's like a Honda one fifty. You know, well, that's not that's not getting over the triples. One twenty-five is. So yeah. I don't know. Well, well yeah, two hundred, fine, whatever, whatever. Um, it's off. It's off. There's no question. Yeah, and but I don't. How is that ever going to go back? I can't see it. I, I no idea. You know, so. Yeah. Um, another guy here asks if RV will go to the GPs if he's if he's when he's done racing here, and we still don't know what a deal is for this um, for this summer for RV. Uh, I believe he'll be out. Davy Coombs wrote that he's going to try to race. Do what do you know? Anything? Do you have you heard? I'm nothing. No, no okay. they're they're tight lipped about it. Yeah. Um. The whole news of it came as a shock to me. I didn't know there was even an injury or, or yeah. anything nagging him or anything else. So right. I haven't heard a word. Yeah, um, I, guess, I guess we'll see. But but it seems like an awful lot of rumor going around to be for there to be no truth at all. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where yeah. there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. Something's going on. Um, but why would he go to the GP? Well, Where did that ever even come up? I, I, I what I've heard is he's done racing, and you can kind of read between the lines in some of his interviews and stuff, and. Mm-hmm. He's been going hard, dude. Alden's camp down there, you can't do that forever. It's too gnarly. Right. Yeah. I think he's to the point where he's got enough money in the bank. He's won plenty of titles. He's got nothing left to prove. And he's kind of, I think he's on that fence of going, okay, I'm done. Like, how much longer should I do this? Yeah, I don't and think. he's trying to make that distinction. I don't think he's I don't, driven. I don't, I don't know what the answer is yet. I don't think he's but. driven by passion. You know what I mean? He's not, oh, I'm a grass 72 and. And Ricky's fifteen tied. Like I don't think he's. He, I don't think he cares. I really don't. I've talked. I know him pretty well. He doesn't know this sport, the history. He doesn't care that much. And it's not a a bad thing. It's just he's not 
as up on it as other guys. A lot of the guys aren't, though, to be honest. But, I mean, I think Stewart is, and I think Carmichael was aware of this kind of stuff, but I just I don't think RV cares. So, um, I, I think he's out, you know. But, but I, look, people in Europe, there's no – stop going on message boards and stop tweeting me and stop talking about a top-level American going to the GPs. It's not going to happen. No. They're making millions over here. It's their home country. They love Supercross. They're not going to go to Europe, take a pay cut, go to Europe, race in the mud and the sand for 12 rounds, live in Belgium, eat waffle cones. It's just not going to happen. Like, like, let it go. Stop it. Right? And, and it's not like it's any, you know, if you went over there, it's not like he's going to clean house. I mean, no, those guys hard. Well, those guys are gnarly. He he would have to be working as hard as he is here. He would just be more miserable doing it. So <laughs> right. No, I mean you know I I mean there isn't those guys haul ass and it, it's not I'm not bagging on that series. Um, I've been to more GPs probably in Disney nations than maybe any media guy in the sport over here, but and they haul ass. But why would they? These guys they don't dream of being a world champion. Oh hey, I won the world title. This is the world title, them. This, this is the series yeah. that counts. Nobody cares. The, maybe guys like in the early '80s, right, would have had those dreams. You know, growing up watching DeCoster and these old guys. I don't mean that in a bad way, but that generation where guys on the Grand Prix scene were the best in the world. You know, so maybe you grow up with aspirations of going over there. That doesn't happen anymore. No, you know, guys, no. guys who are good now, all they care about is Supercross and racing here because this. The series, whether whether the people from Europe like to hear it or not, it's the premier series in the world. So, mm-hmm. right. So, um, right. And is that, I mean, is that too American? Am I going to get smashed for that? No, no, I don't think yeah. so. Besides one guy, I guarantee you, any European rider would come over here and race the series over here. If they had an opportunity on a good team, a good bike with a salary, they take it in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, yeah. when Clement DeSalle and Kevin Strybos came over, I mean, they loved it. They, they couldn't believe it. They, they they thought it was awesome. It was amazing. It was incredible. They were so pumped to be here. You know, so yeah. Uh, I just, I mean, yeah. Um. All right. Next question. Well, actually, let me throw in a little plug here. BTOSports.com. Ping. I mean, anything you need. For your body. Yeah, you know, I picked up a, a baby on the black market down there. Yeah. Got a good deal at BTO. Yeah, BTOsports.com. So anything you want. Yeah. Get a baby. Uh, Human trafficking, somewhere. everything. I've got it all. Uh, tire prices are out of this world. They're smoking the competition. BTOsports.com. Uh, use the code PulpMX to save yourself money. And, of course, Fox Racing. don't think you ever wore Fox, did you, Ping? Did you ever wear Fox? I didn't. No. Shift. Shift for a little bit at uh, Primal Impulse Suzuki. Yep, that's true. Good look that year, too. That was a strong look. Yeah, the bikes and the gear and everything. Yeah. Uh, you were in Shift when uh, Shea Bentley beat you, correct? No, Axel. Oh, Axel, yeah. Sorry. Um, Fox Racing, Fischl Gear, Brian Dungey, Ken Roxon, Brock Tickle, uh, Fox Airspace Goggle as well, Fox Instinct Boot. And uh, check them out, foxhead.com. Visit your local authorized Fox dealer, the btosports.com Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. And uh, listen to this race tech commercial, Save Yourself Big. I guarantee you, you, whoever this is listening, your suspension needs work. You need the right spring rate. 
you need your oil changed, you need bushings done, you need something, and Racetech can help you. So listen to this commercial and uh, get some suspension work done and use the code to save yourself money on that. BTOsports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Racetech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lieb, Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Racetech suspension, and they've been along, around a long time, and their, their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people, at least uh, change your oil in your new bike and use Racetech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Racetech's the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Fee, the owner of Racetech, one of the smartest guys out there, and uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Racetech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. All right, we're back on the BTOsports.com. RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. We didn't actually go anywhere, though, Ping. No, we're still here. Yeah, we're still here. Um, hey, uh, this question is not from somebody on, the, uh, on Twitter, but I thought I'd pose it to you anyways. Um, so Josh Hansen came on the Pulp Show. And, what I heard. Yeah, yeah, it was a big, big deal. He he said he had his, he's had seven or eight opportunities to make it work, and he's realized that he's blown it and he's screwed himself up and and it hasn't become the career that he should have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Sounded like a guy that you know uh, is getting older and, and realizing, looking in the mirror a little bit, and all that. Now, all that aside, he talked about getting a ride for next year, and and doing the work. And we were discussing on the show, 250 Supercross. He's 27 years old now, 28. And he said it would be embarrassing to move to 250 class, but he would do it if he had to. And Jason Thomas seemed to think like he could win the title. What do you think? What do you think of Hanny coming back? How, what, what, how could he do? Well, it's been too long since I've seen him ride. But when he was riding for Mitch that year that he hurt his hand, he was he was fast, man. I mean, it's not like his talent's going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So yep. I think at 27, 28, you're still capable. It's not like you're physically beyond your prime. I mean, I think you're in the meat of it right there. Mm-hmm. So if he doesn't have injuries nagging him, if he's, if he's put his dirt bike racing career in front of slaying the ladies, <laughs> then... Um, I think there's no reason he couldn't go out and still win. You do, huh? So you think so? Oh, well, there's the talent there. There's absolutely no question. You can't argue that. Um, it takes a lot to put a championship season together. It takes mm-hmm. a whole lot of puzzle pieces coming together. He'd need a good team. He'd have to have a, you know, fitness would have to be there and everything else. But like I said, when he rode for Mitch, if it wasn't for that crash in the whoops where he jacked his hand up, the title was his. He was mm-hmm. the fastest dude, period. At Devo three hundred wants to know will J Law ride this summer? Well, I don't know. <laughs> He'll ride uh, somewhere. <laughs> he'll ride. 
And then he'll blow up a glass bong and get high and forget where he's at for a few days. <laughs> I don't know. People are just fascinated. Like, these comebacks never work. And that's why I had to laugh. Uh, Tommy Hahn is talking about coming back. And it's like, they don't, they don't work, man. Now, t- having said that, we just talked about Hanson coming back. That's in 250 Supercross class. And Hanson was a, a race winner not that long ago. So that one could work in 250 Supercross. That one could yeah. work. But I think the problem for Hanny in, in the big class, again, not, not talent, because I've seen that guy ride a 450, like the wind blows at the X Games and at different times, but uh, it's a long, long season, and you have to be mentally really strong to get through that 450 Supercross season. Mm-hmm. let alone Supercross and outdoors. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been his downfall is he can't hold it together mentally, a little too ADD, a little too, um, I don't know, just not mentally strong enough to hold it together all year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you make, uh, Ping, on the RCH team um, flipping uh, Josh Hill for Weston Pike and then Ivan Tedesco filling in while Tickle until Tickle comes back. If he comes back at all, it'll be later in the summer. What's your take on the RCH moves? Uh, I I think it's good. I think it makes sense. Ivan's a buddy of you know Carrie and Kenny, so that was a that was a no brainer. You know he's ridden for them before. Um, he's a great test rider. Everybody, the pro circuit guys loved him because of his ability to test and really feel small changes and give them good directions to go in. So I know there's a he, he carries a lot of weight just with that alone. Um, as far as you know, I, I was surprised to hear that Josh Hill was having so much problem with that bike. Uh, he didn't. I read some interview and he did not sound happy with no what was going on his starts in particular. And I thought, man, mm-hmm. that seems weird. How do you not fix that? Um, I don't know. That seemed very strange to me. But if he's not happy with the bike and they can't get him happy, then maybe the best thing for everybody is to just part ways like they did you know so mm, yeah um stoked for weston pike i'd i would love to see him uh take that ball and run with it you know and uh, have a good summer and lock up a spot on that team for another year or two mm-hmm. uh jake zins says uh do any of the not so tall fast guys Stuart villapoto shave their seats down to gig to, to gain leg room well i, I always I always like the shaved seat. It's, it is such a pain, though. I, I think the easier fix is to lower the subframe. Uh, that's kind of... And in some cases, depending on the bike, I always do both. So as far as what the guys are doing now, I know Ricky always lowered his seat. You could look at pictures of it. Sometimes his seat was, like, paper thin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would really take it down along a long ways. On his Honda, there were some pictures that are funny looking. Looks like a freestyle seat almost. Um but I don't know about RV and Stu. I, it doesn't look like the seat's shaved. I would say they probably just lowered the subframe. Yep. Yeah, you can lower the subframe. Uh, lower the shock. That's also a move the guys do. Uh, you shorten the shock shaft. Uh, move your foot pegs up. Um, that's kind of stuff you do on factory yeah. bikes, you know? Um, I never liked the moving foot pegs up theory because mm-hmm. you're raising your center of gravity up higher. Why would right. you want to do that? It right. never made sense to me. Yeah. I know some guys did it, but. I'd rather take everything down, get my center of gravity lower. Yeah. But, I mean, even guys like, uh, I know Chad. Chad's, what, 5'10"? He's shorter than me. 5'10 or something, but he's taller than 
probably Stu and Villa. He runs a shorter subframe. A lot of guys did. I think Villaman did. You know, um, just because it just helps. Do they just like the cornering of it? So, you know, a lot of guys. Yeah. Did. Yeah. The biggest thing is when when you when you get a kick, whether it's in whoops or like a sharp kicker or something. The more room you have before that thing kicks you in the butt and throws you forward, the better. Mm-hmm. So I think for a lot of guys, whoops in particular too. I mean, if that that seat's smacking you in the butt and you know pushing you forward, that's bad news. Another question from Aaron David: Whatever happened with JS torn ACL? Was it a real injury or an excuse he used because he was out of shape? What really happened? I, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I haven't seen his MRI. So, but you, but I mean, I I do believe he tore it, and you can ride without one. Yeah, you can. Some guys do. I I I would be shocked if his ACL is completely torn. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can partially tear those. I have a partially torn ACL in my right knee. Mm-hmm. As long as there's some stability there, and it isn't, um, there's enough ACL holding it where it doesn't completely move around on you. It's it's not a problem. Um, if he partially tore it, it would have been tender for a while, mm-hmm. but would eventually stabilize and be fine. If it's completely torn, there are guys, like you said, who ran no ACL. I think McGrath did for a while. I know LaRocco yeah. did his whole career. So some guys get away with it. It's it's the old thing. like uh, it, You know, you can't really question a guy when he tells you what's up. But whenever you hear, I broke my ribs from riders, uh, they didn't break their ribs. They did not break your ribs. They're not racing with broken ribs, people. Now you could have a crack. You could, well, have, you know, you could have one out of place. I guess that could happen too. Torn cartilage in the ribs. I yeah, think... it's very common. I've had that to me happen to me several times, where the the tissue between your ribs will stretched, and as you'll take a deep breath, it'll kind of pop. Yeah, and it's miserable. It hurts. It's terrible. But you can race. Yeah, typically they're not broken off. No, no, broken ribs are not. You're not racing with broken ribs. No. There's no way. But that's a common thing. I, my ribs are broken. And you're just like, as a media guy, you're like, look, I'd really love to tell you right now your ribs are not broken and you're racing. But let's just, I'll just write this. Ribs are broken and we'll just move on with our lives. But um, it's like the old rider thing. Uh, I tightened up. I tightened up. Yeah. Yeah, you got tightened tired. Up. You got tired. That, that's code for arm pump and just general fatigue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh Here's a controversial question. We'll probably both got ourselves in trouble with. But. Yeah, let's, let's hit it. Okay, Mike Honcho. <laughs> what do you think about the arrow helmets better than a showy? And the question, reason I ask this, Ping, is, is not because I, I, I know what's better than an arrow helmet. I'm very confused on what makes good helmets. Uh, arrows are super light. Some people tell you light helmets are no good. Uh, showies are heavier. Some people use uh, you know, softer styrofoam. With a harder shell, other people use hard styrofoam with a soft shell. I don't know. Like the helmet well, thing is so confusing. There's more to me. than there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yes. All of these companies are basically geared around passing the snow and DOT testing, which is completely inappropriate for motocross racing. They're they're designed to like they have to withstand a puncture from a foot peg or something at high speed. They have to you know these these certain tests that are geared towards more road helmets. So where a lot of motocross guys get their injuries is low to mid-speed impacts, which mm-hmm. is not what Dell, uh, DOT and Snell are testing for. 
So these helmets all need those approvals to be sold. You've got to have one of them. Um, or there's a, a CE or some other mm-hmm. European test you can do. But the bottom line is I don't think any of them are geared for, hey, let's make the best motocross helmet we can make. Mm-hmm. You know, They're having to meet certain standards that aren't necessarily good for what motocross racers need. That said, there are some new helmets that I think are probably better than others. Um, you know, myself, I'm a big fan of the Troy Lee helmet, obviously. <laughs> Troy Lee guy. But uh, I don't know. I-, I think it's tough because they're all trying to meet those standards, and there needs to be some kind of standard. But Here. I wish there someone would come up with a specific yeah. off-road motorcycle standard. Hey, this is what better for what off-road motorcycle guys need. Yeah. Meet this standard, you know, I, uh, instead of the DOT and snow. When I worked at Parts Unlimited, there was a magazine. It might have been Cycle World or Cycle, you know, some sort of street bike thing. And, and I worked at Parts Unlimited, and th- I read this magazine article that did, you know, this guy argued that a lot of the helmets are designed for one blow on the ground. And then that's where they're, the, the DOT and the snail ratings all come in. Well, this guy argued that the the motorcycle crashes are a series of blows to a head, um, generally speaking, like bang, 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 bang on the ground, back and forth, right? Mm-hmm. And and this guy did these tests, and, and, and this is years ago, so I don't have, remember the article fully, but the bottom line is this guy said that the Parts Unlimited brand helmet, and this, uh, this was not affiliated with Parts Unlimited, the Parts Unlimited helmet that was $139 was the best helmet out there. And I'm telling you, Ping, it made sense the way his tests that he ran and his theories. Now, I'm not saying he's right or wrong. I have no idea. And I find it hard to believe a $139 helmet is the best helmet. But if you took this guy's theory on what a helmet needed to be good at, which I believe was small multiple hits, then this $139 helmet is the best helmet out there. Better than a ride, better than showy, better than anything. And Well, I, the, the, the problem is it. it it's a series of hits, but it's it's more there's like rotational factors that come into that, which, you know, when you hit the ground, it's not like you're just laying on the ground and then your head goes bonk. You're moving forward, you're rolling, your body is moving as it goes. So your helmet hits the ground, it stops, your head moves in and hits the, you know, EPS liner in there, and that's where the impact is, and then it kind of continues to roll. Your body rolls and turns as you tumble. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just like one direct impact boom in one place it's there's a lot to it and there are certain helmets that have addressed that and are producing better scores in different tests like that um and i think what's great about these helmet companies now finally starting to do that is it's going to push everyone to make something Mm -hmm. better you know because there hasn't been a lot of improvement since that eps foam was put out 20 some years ago yeah. And, and it's it's true. Once you take an impact and that EPS foam crushes down, yeah. that's your suspension. That's what absorbs you and slows that, you know, inertia going forward. So once you've already compressed it, it's done. It needs at least at, at a bare minimum that EPS needs to be replaced if the shell is not damaged. So there's so much there's truth helmet. To that. There's yeah. so much helmet stuff out there. And and again, like I read this article, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, this thing makes sense. But I don't know how the $139 helmet could be the best one out there. But it does make sense. So I wish that they would definitely 
somebody, I mean, the 60s, you know, got their new thing out, and I applaud them for introducing some new technology. But I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't think anybody does. So. Well, they, those guys that you mentioned have some very compelling data to back up yeah. what they've done with that helmet. So. Uh, be interesting to see what happens going forward with all the other companies. Robert, M-A-J-I-A. Meha? Miha? Yeah. Miha? Depends on what kind, of, what kind of accent you put on that one. Robert Miha. Wants to, <laughs> wants to know, why is the Daytona race not on any bar to bar DVDs? Not a sell production, right? Yep. yep. Exactly. Property that's not owned by them. Yep. So. Yep. Um, but they, I mean, it would be nice if they could, you know, contact the, contact the Speedway and say, hey, can we put two minutes of footage in our DVD? But then who knows? Then those lawyers get, yeah. lawyers get called. Yeah. Right? That that to bar DVD is probably so easy for them to put together, yeah. and that that step would just add like all this hair to it, and it's like, man, right, right, one round. Yeah, exactly. Um, what else we got? I think that's it. I think that's it. That's um, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I I put out an article about the purse money one so far this year, and people call it pathetic and sad. I don't know if I totally agree with that, like. Look, the purse money can be better. It can be better. There's plenty of money being made, um, plenty of money being made on the uh, Supercross series, and it can be better. There's no doubt. But on the other hand, if you make the main events in the 4D class, you're pulling down eight grand a month. Not that bad. That's not bad at all. I mean, I'm just saying. Not bad at all. Obviously, you have some expenses in there and everything else and all that. It's not. I mean, people kind of think that we're this massive sport. We're not. Yeah. And if it, and nobody at hope listening to this thinks I'm a shill for Feld and those guys. I mean, those guys hate me. They'd probably want to light me on fire. But it ain't. And, and the 250 class purse is really bad. But I'm saying the 450 class, yes, it can be better. It ain't that bad. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So. Well, you know, it would be real nice if we could get a breakdown of what the costs are, you know, basically look at a profit and loss sheet from Feld on, on, on one race. Just tell us what you got. But I don't think that'll ever happen. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, I guess it'd be like, hey, Ping, show us your tax forms. You wouldn't want to yeah, do it, right? Yeah, it's a little weird. I, there are some things I wish they would change. I, I wish that they would lighten up on not allowing teams to act as vendors in the pit area. Yeah. I agree. Why can't a team sell T-shirts and hats and, and merchandise? This, you know, in a lot of other in forms of motorsports racing, that's a primary way those teams bring in money. Mm-hmm. You know, what, why why does Feld hold out on that? They try to push you to buy their T-shirts, which are horrible. <laughs> I mean, really, go look at what they offer. I mean, it's, it's da- rough. David Pingree saying that, not Steve Mathis. Steve Mathis does not think the shorts are horrible. The shorts well, are horrible. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you, man. They should totally I just do think, yep. you know, when you have teams like any of the race teams, you know, let, let them sell T-shirts and hats and stuff so yep. that yep. help fund, the, you know, their efforts. It's, it's just good for everybody. I don't know why that – Yep. how much money that would really pull out of Feld's pocket, but it would benefit all these teams quite a bit. So yep. it's surprising. No, there's a, lot, there's a lot that they could do to help everybody out. There's no doubt about it. Um, 
and, and and I you know, but on the other hand too, like people talk about these riders um, getting taken advantage of and 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 in track designs and in purse money and all that. Well, get together then. It won't ever happen. But I, I have a hard time pounding the drum for rider safety slash more money slash a bigger say in how things are run when they've never shown any ability to get together. And, you know, the big guys, I mean, you know, RV and Stewart and Chad, you know, maybe not Chad, but RV, Stewart, they're making 4 to $5 million, Dungy. They're, they're good. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it takes, it takes uh, you know, somebody like uh, Rosa Parks, if Moto, to sit in that seat. I don't know who's going to do it. Yeah, but, I don't know who's going to do it either. You know, I'd love to see it. I'd help promote it. I'd talk about it. I'd put them on these shows. But hard to uh, say that these guys are getting screwed over when they're taking no steps to help themselves not get screwed over, if you believe they are getting screwed over. so Yeah. And, and each side will argue, well, without us, you wouldn't even have a platform to make any money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, without us, yeah. you wouldn't have a show. Oh, yeah, well, without us, I mean, round yeah. around we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. No, absolutely. Um. Anything else, Ping, you want to address? On the I'm on New York this weekend. Yeah, you're you going? going. Yeah, I'm going. Yeah, I'm going. So are you. What, is it, what do you think it's going to be like? I, I, you know I what? These, these uh, guys from Jersey, they're just so angry that we keep saying the race is in New York. I they're know. so mad about it. I know. I asked them. Uh, well, then you have a good time over in New York. I'll be in East Rutherford. <laughs> I, uh, I asked our own Jason Wigan about that. You know, he is from Jersey. And he said, yeah. Uh, tell all the Jersey people that without New York, none of those stadiums would be built. <laughs> without the, the population of New York and the power of New York, nobody's building a stadium in New Jersey for New Jersey sport teams. Like, yeah. So, and and this is from a guy from New Jersey. People, he's from Jersey saying this. So, um, get, get mad at him. Look, the fact is, the city is what brings the excitement to this event. It's not. Ooh, there's a new race in Jersey. You know, I mean, I've uh, been to Newark. I know what Jersey has to offer. Yeah, I, yeah. Nobody's gonna the the bustling metropolis of Newark. Look, mm. I'm uh, I'm. Oh, here, let me pull this up. And I hate to be. Hold on, Racer X. Uh, perhaps you heard of Racer X. I've heard of them. They had this poll on their website. Did you see it? You probably I saw even... the poll. I didn't see the results. Okay, ne- neither have I. But so the poll, Racer X poll. What's a Supercross in the New York market going to do for the sport? Lots of a, lots of eyeballs and exposure, a big boost. B, a lot of Northeast fans finally get a close race, but don't expect many new new people. C, it will feel like any other race. And D, I don't care about marketing. I'm just pumped the New York City visit. Let me trick my girl into letting us go to another race. <laughs> Uh, where do you fall on that, on that poll? I, I don't, personally, I don't think you're getting a bunch of, like, Manhattanites going, ooh, Menzi, there's a Supercross in East Rutherford. Check this out, or however New Yorkers talk. <laughs> yeah, I don't, know I don't think about. those people are coming. I don't think I they think talk like pilgrims. Those... I don't think they talk like pilgrims. Yeah, I don't know what that was. What was that? I don't know. But uh, don't know. there's a huge, hardcore group of motocross fans in the Northeast. And they're yeah. coming. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be a successful event because of them. And those guys have been vocal about wanting a Supercross back. And, you know, I think they're going to really embrace it. But I don't, I don't think you're getting a ton of new eyeballs. 
I don't. I don't think that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I th- I feel like the promoters feel like this is so big and so huge that you know they purposely wanted to get it near the end of the series to help you know crown a champion or to to help a points race uh, out. Um, they they fe- I feel like they think this is what they need. Uh, some riders are going to be on uh, uh, some of the morning talk shows. Um, some of them are going to be just doing photo ops in Times Square. Some of them are going to be doing – well, Feld is streaming at pre- a pre-race press conference. I feel like the Feld guys, I feel like they think this is just going to be it. And I couldn't disagree more. This is just – and I hate to put my Scrooge hat on, but this is just another race. This is just another race. Well, I think that it's going to have a cool, fun vibe because people are coming in early or they're staying longer to – go into the city and check things out and have some fun. And I think because of that, it'll be, it'll be a cool race. But yeah, as far as the event itself, it's just, yeah, it's just another round. Put it anywhere. We we used to have camel uh, cigarettes and Wrangler jeans involved in our sport. And we used to be on ESPN, you know, this isn't going to be, and we had a New York round for like three or four years, late eighties, early nineties. This is not going to be, I mean, you know, whatever. It's just another venue, man. It's just another race. This isn't going to be the. This isn't going to be the gatekeeper to exposing the sport and jumping up. Uh, you know, I, I I I hate to be Scrooge, but yeah, like whatever. We are what we are. I love it. We make our living in it, and you know, but yeah, it's just another race. Yeah, it's it's funny. We talk about the sport growing and and uh, getting bigger, and certainly things have gotten better. The TV package is better. You can see more of it. But I, I looked at some old picture. It was in Racer X. It was from Unadilla. Back in the day, it had Goat Brecker and a bunch of guys. And you, know, you could see the hillside. It was packed. Mm-hmm. There were so many people. And I thought, man, I don't, I don't even know that our Nationals today get that many people. Yeah. And maybe it was just a, you know, hard to get a real idea, but... I think Our sport has a certain number of people who are going to be drawn to it and love it. I don't think you're going to change that too much. No, I agree. Because as people get old and get out of it, there's that same number of young people coming in and liking it. I don't know. The only thing that gives me some hope is if you read Cincerello or Roxon's Instagram's comments, you begin to realize that there's a lot of young kids that have no idea about the sport other than they think Kenny and Adam are cute and, and they like, you know, they want to be, you know, associated with them. So I'm like, wow, maybe these kids, maybe these kids that are clearly not followers of the sport in any way, shape or form, maybe they will get into the sport. It gives me some hope, Ping. It gives me some hope. But hope for what? You really want it to get that way? I, I don't know. I'm just saying, Oh, well, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. We, we always talk about wanting it to get bigger. I don't know. I, to me, the bigger you get, the, the more you just lose your soul. The sport changes. The people on the pitch, you're just going, dude, you don't even know it. Well, I, I would argue that, that, my, that right. some of that is already here, as you know. Oh, of course. Some, yeah, with some of the of people course. that are involved in the sport. I mean, there's energy drink people that are making decisions on what teams want to hire riders that really don't know. They don't know the sport. They don't know a guy's history. I had a guy from a top-level team, a really good team, ask me what – Who's going to be pointing out and what are the rules? And I'm like, you're on the team management. You're asking me? You know, this guy, this is kind of a casual guy involved with the team, like a sponsor, you know? 
And I'm like, oh, good God, these people are making these decisions. I don't know what's going on. Well, yeah. yeah. So, yep. All, All right. right. Well, yeah, that's what, what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Go to New York and uh, enjoy ourselves. You're rented out by some friends of yours for this yep. weekend. Um, looking forward to see- Did you get press box passes and everything? Are you all dialed in? No. Oh. I, haven't, I haven't even worried about any of that. Well, you probably should make that happen, shouldn't you? I don't know. Are you going in early? Yeah. When? I'm, well, I'm getting there Friday, and uh, we're staying until Monday night. Oh, you are? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, have you ever, you've been there before, right? You've been in New York. I've been to the city once. Oh, okay. um, you know who took me around there it was Ghetto Man. <laughs> Back when uh, Shawnee was my mechanic. Yeah, yeah. And Ghetto Man took us down to the city for like a whole day. Just, oh wow! Yeah. I hope I bump into him out there. I'm sure he'll be there. I have not heard that name for a long time, but Cause remember him? Yeah, yeah. Huh. Bad dude. Uh, crusty guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, crusty. Wasn't it crusty? Yeah. Um, I was just there in November, December. My wife and I took a lover's weekend. Stayed close to Times Square. So I've been there four or five times now. So it's not a huge deal to me. But I am getting there uh, Thursday at midnight. So Friday, all day Friday, I'll be uh, going to the city and hanging out. And I'm gonna, I, I would kind of thinking about maybe taking my microphone down and standing in Times Square and, and taking a poll of people what they think about the Supercross this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be real interested to see what people have to say about that. It would be classic, wouldn't it? Then ma- <laughs> and mail it to uh, Aurora, Illinois. <laughs> hey, crack! I don't know nothing about no supercross, but what you think about a watch? Check this out. Want to buy this? <laughs> Pretty sure you might have just offended some people, right there. Uh, hey, I bought a watch when I was there. I bought a Louis one time. I I got suckered into a, a little fake uh, oh, tag yeah? tag Hoyer watch. Nice, nice. Yeah. I bought a Louis Vuitton. It was sweet until it turned my wrist green. <laughs> I bought a, a while. I bought a fake Louis Vuitton in Venice, Italy, thinking that my wife would be pumped, and and it was, I guess, the worst fake in the history of fakes. She's like, "Oh no, I don't think she. I think she threw it away. <laughs> like it, it wasn't even close to. Who knows? Yeah, I thought I was doing a good thing. Uh, I bought my wife a fake Tiffany necklace. That did not go over well. Yeah, see, you've been down that road. Yeah, yeah, it's. Don't take that. Don't do it. All right. If you want to buy something fake for yourself, that's one thing. Don't do it for the old lady. No, no. Um, BTOsports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. You asked ping questions, he answered them. And uh, we should do this again. Uh, good times. Um, but in the meantime, ping, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. And uh, thank you uh, for the questions, everybody, sending them in. We didn't get to all of them, but we got to most of them. Uh, the real dumb ones we left out. So you can be, you can judge judge your questions that way if you didn't make the show. Um, and uh, hopefully you enjoy the uh, New York City Supercross. We'll see you there this weekend. See you there, bud. All right. See ya. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbic is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart, 
There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike, I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and the years.